Daniel chapter 10. Ten. What do you mean, Jean? Yes, I had to practice not saying nine. That was that was the deal. Daniel ten. If you were hoping to be in chapter nine, I'm sorry. We're we're moving on. Well, let's 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 just read and let's see what happens. Uh, some passages in Daniel, you come to it, and my thinking is, you know, we were through with this back in August or so, and, you know, somebody just decided, oh, we should do it live and in person. And then you get to certain passages, and you're like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. You kind of rethink some of your ideas. But I did write down the number on the screen in Big Church if you have any questions, text them to 817-809-8422, okay? So, just if you need that number, I will be happy to give it to you. <laughs> Daniel chapter 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. So again, Daniel gives us the, the, the context of when this, these events are happening. The third year of, of King Cyrus, or Cyrus the Great, the, 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 the king of, of the Mede and Persian Empire, had conquered Babylon. Back at the end of chapter 5, really, when, when uh, Belshazzar was having the great feast and the handwriting on the wall, and that very night he was killed, and the, and the Medes and Persians came into the city of Babylon and, and conquered that, that empire. Now Dan, Daniel is serving under another king, but he, he adds that name, Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. You know, maybe to let us know that Daniel is, a, is still in Babylon or Persia. What's the significance of that? Well, you remember Cyrus had allowed, even decreed, that, that Israel could go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. That was in the, in the first year of his reign. Now the third year, Daniel is still there in, in, uh, in Babylon, or maybe he might even be in Susa. It's kind of unclear as he moved to, uh, to, to the Persian part of the empire. Remember back in chapter 6 that Daniel, when, when Darius, who was the king over the, uh, the, the Babylonian portion of the Medan Persian empire, that he had, had set up three high officials and Daniel was one of them. And Daniel uh, uh, was so excellent at his job that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And then the conspirators got together and said, oh, Daniel's not, you know, you need to make a decree that no one prays to any God but you. And then they caught Daniel in one of his three daily times of prayer. And they said, Daniel's praying. You got to throw him in the lion's den. And God sent an angel to shut the lion's mouths. 
and maybe by after that that he was promoted to number one in the in in the Persian Empire, and he had to move to you know the Washington D.C. of the the ancient Persian Empire. Uh, we we don't know, but he said that he, this word came to Daniel. A word of the Lord is revealed to Daniel. It was true, which is almost redundant. The word of the Lord is always true, but it's of a great conflict. Chapter 10 is the prologue to the last vision in the book of Daniel. 10, 11, and 12 all go together. Um, and, and chapter 10 is giving us the background and, and of, of when, it, when it happens, the context, if you will. And it's, so it's, it's, it's a true word, but it's of great conflict. The NIV says a great war. Daniel understood the word, and he understood the vision. Okay, verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of a great river, that is the Tigris. I lifted up my eyes and looked. Behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz, with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning. His eyes were flaming torches. His arms and legs were like the gleam of burnished bronze. The sound of his words was like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep, with my face to the ground. Daniel does not live a quiet, dull life in, in, at any time. And now he's in retirement, he's, he, or, or maybe he's not in retirement. It's the third year of Cyrus. He's probably, if he's not 90, he is knocking so hard on the door that it's about to just cave in, that, that Daniel is, is old. But he reminds us what? This, this, this uh, 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 say, a, a, a spiritual uh, principle. That is, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And Daniel does not retire and, and, and let the younger generation take it all up. He is, he's, God gives him this vision. Daniel, you're still living, and I've got purpose for your life. You know? and, and, and I think it's something that we can remember that God uses us you know, until he calls us home. You know, and, and if, if we still have breath or if we, you know, whatever we can do. He's an example of that. Daniel, but we find him in, in, in verse 2, says that he's mourning for three weeks. He kind of goes on a, uh, it's a semi-fast or, or a, um, not a, not a complete fast. He says, I ate no delicacies, no meat 
or wine entered my body. So he's not totally fasting, but he's, he's just eaten, you know, maybe cereal or, or, or something, something, uh, you know, maybe he's back on the grains and the fruits and vegetables. He's not eating all these delicacies because he's, he's mourning. Why is Daniel mourning? Well, Israel has gone back to, to the promised land, back to, uh, to, to Judah, back to Jerusalem. Does he seem like, though, the one who would mourn and feel sorry for himself because he didn't get to go? He, Daniel doesn't strike me like that. So why would he be mourning? It's, it, it should be a great occasion that Israel has gone back to the promised land and they're going to begin rebuilding the temple, the temple that Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed. If you, if you go back to Ezra chapter 1, we, we see some of the, 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 the obstacles that, that happened um, to Israel when they went back. Uh, you, you, can, you can read it later, but I'll, I'll, I'll summarize. Uh, Ezra 1.1, Cyrus made a decree to go back and build the temple of the Lord. In, in Ezra 2, we see that, that they had this assembly. It was close to 50,000 people that went back. And then in the seventh month of that year, they set up the altar and began making sacrifices again. After, you know, 70 years, close to 70 years anyhow, way over 50 from the time it was destroyed in 586 to like 538. So, so 50 years since they had made any kind of sacrifices. They, they, they set up the altars, but fear was upon them because of the people of the land, the people that were there that were harassing them and not wanting them to build the, the, the temple. And, and, and later in the second, in, in chapter three, in the second year, they laid the foundation of the, of the temple. Remember, this is in the third year of Cyrus. So they had, they, had, they had finally laid the foundation, but nothing else. And when they laid the foundation in Ezra 3, 12, it said, or, well, Ezra 3, 6 through about 12, we, we read of them laying the foundation and a great cheer going up. But, says the old men and the old priests who re, remembered the old temple mourned and cried. And, and in Haggai 2, we read that they, they felt like it didn't reach the glory of the original temple. And so they, they, they mourned because it's like, we were expecting this to be the same as Solomon's temple. And, but, but God tells them in, in, in Haggai that, don't worry about it, my glory will be there. And that's what makes the temple great is, is the presence of God and his glory being uh, uh, upon it. And so Daniel, I think, was mourning not because he was stuck in, in Babylon or Susa, uh, but because of the, the obstacles that his brothers and sisters were facing 700 miles away in Jerusalem, that he had heard of what was going on. And it, and it kind of it kind of clicks a, a, a switch or a light bulb. It's like, how often... Do I mourn or am I concerned with other believers in, in, in our area, in other areas? You know, each week, Wednesday, we have the prayer list and we'll have a, 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 a sister church of the week and it's, it's that we're to pray for them. But sometimes we see those things so often it's like, oh, what does that really mean? You know, 
that God knows the condition of that, of that church and what they need, but sometimes we just, I think, just pass over it. Or the persecuted church, those in Islamic nations or, or communist China or, or other places in the world. You know, do, do I have this concern for them? Daniel was, was very concerned with, uh, with, with what was going on in, in Jerusalem. It said that he mourned for, for three weeks. It said on the 24th day of the first month, Nisan is the name of the first month of the Jewish year. Um, it's not spelled exactly like the car, but it's, you know, that's a, that's a close enough pronoun- pronunciation for, for Texas anyhow. N- Nisan, the 14th, the 24th day. Have you, you remember anything else that happened in Nisan in the, in the first month of the year? Passover. The, the Jews celebrated Passover, which commemorated what? The passing over of the of the angel of death there on that last night in Egypt, and then the two weeks following that was the the celebration, the feast of unleavened bread. So for the t- first twenty one days of the month, it was to be a commemoration and celebration of what God had done for Israel back before they left, uh, or during the time that they left Egypt. Centuries before, Daniel is is mourning and, and fasting and praying during that during that time. They didn't really celebrate the the Passover while they were in exile, but he has to know, you know, what the time of the year is. Remember in chapter nine that that he talked about at the time of the evening sacrifice that Gabriel had had come to him. So even though Daniel has been in in exile close to 70 years, he still maintains that faith of the of of his fathers, that faith of of Israel in in worshiping the Lord. And as he's 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 telling us when this happened on the 24th day of the month, he's standing there by the on the bank the bank of the great river, the Tigris, and he lifts up his eyes and all of a sudden said, I look and behold. It, it's, it's like an exclamation, that, that word behold. It's, it's you, could, you could clap your hands. Look, there's a man. That's all it says. It's, it's a man standing there. But what is this guy what does he look like? Well, he's clothed in linen. Okay, so that's unusual but not extraordinary. The priests wore linen. Do you know where they, where you get linen? Okay, I had to look it up. My, I guess there was a shortcoming in my upbringing. I didn't, you know, you know cotton because you have T-shirts and shirts and all that, and it's like linen. Well, what's linen? Well, it comes from flax, and it, it's stronger than cotton, more absorbent, they say, but it's harder to, uh, to, to manufacture, to weave, and, and I don't know the process, but just all those things. So it's more valuable than just your regular, uh, your, your regular fabric, and it was what the priests wore, and so there's a, a note of holiness and, and, a, and a sanctified note of this. So, so just taking baby steps and little clues. Daniel sees this man, and he's wearing linen. Hmm. More to come. 
And he's got on a fine, a fine, okay. Sometimes my dyslexia gets me. A belt of fine gold from Uphos. Now, Daniel's got a pretty keen eye for uh, precious metals. If he, know, he sees that belt of gold, he also knows where it comes from. I mean, this has got to be the top-notch gold if you can, you know, differentiate between gold. He's like, this is from Uphos. Nobody knows where Uphos is, but Daniel knew. And he's got this, this fine belt of gold around his, his waist. Okay, so, so far he's seen a man dressed in linen, and he's got a belt of gold around his waist. Nothing unusual. No reason yet to text that number on the screen. But just wait, because here it comes. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words was like the sound of a multitude. Okay, this guy, now he's, you know, is this really a guy? Is this really a man? What is beryl? Well, I'm asking the questions. I don't. <laughs> a gemstone. It's translucent. It's Yeah, it's it's a it's a mineral, a stone that's like crystal that's translucent and it glo- crystallite, and it glows even. So his body is like that. Okay, now Daniel's wondering. Okay, who who is this? You know, who is this man? Or I'm at least wondering, who is this man that's standing there like that? His face has the appearance of lightning. His eyes are flaming torches. His arms and legs like burnished bronze. This is before the days of copper tone, you know, when when you could just (laughs) synthetically get your own burnished bronze arms and and legs. And his voice is like, the, the sound of a multitude, this, it's got to be deep, right? Because, I mean, if somebody was a high tenor voice, a man, it's like, okay, it's not the sound of a multitude. I mean, you're thinking this really deep Kenneth Pipes or even, you know, the guy from the Oak Ridge Boys, deep, booming voice. This is John Wayne. John Wayne. <laughs> What happened? Daniel saw this, he's saying a man. And he says, I alone saw the men who were with me. They didn't see him, but they were scared anyhow. You know, could they hear him? You know, it's like Paul on the road to Damascus. He saw the risen Lord, the risen Christ, the the guys that were with him. They heard the voice, but they didn't see anything. So we don't know if they heard something, but somehow they sensed what was going on, and what did they do? They stood there like good friends, and they backed up Daniel. No, they ran and hid themselves, you know, like any smart person would do. You're just out there on the riverbank, and all of a sudden you look up, and here's this guy. His body's like crystallite, like this gleaming, glowing rock. His arms and legs are like bronze. His face is like lightning. His eyes are torches. You head for the hills. And that's what his friends did. So verse 8, I alone saw this great vision 
and no strength was left in me. No joke. I mean, would, would any of us have strength? And I love this one. My radiant appearance fearfully changed. And it's like, on a normal day, I'm a really good-looking guy. He's 90 years old, you know. He's still good-looking, at least in his mind. And he said, it changed, you know. I was no longer tall, dark, and handsome. And I, and I retained no strength. Verse 9, then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face on the ground. That's a nice way of putting that he just passed out. He fainted, you know, face first into the, the riverbank. You know, riverbanks aren't a good place to fall. I mean, there, I mean, there might be sand, but more likely there's a lot of rocks. And he, and he falls just face first. Remember, God sends this man. I think the King James says a certain man to, to give Daniel a true word but of a great conflict, but something that he can have understanding of. Okay, verse 10. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourselves before God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. So the man has been sent because of Daniel's prayers. So he said that he, that he fainted. A hand touched him, lifted him up, first on his hands and knees. You know, if you're... You don't just pop right up anymore. I mean, it's not, a, you don't jump up as easy as you used to, right? I mean, and so he gets up on his hands and knees. Plus, he's scared. He's already fainted when he heard this guy talk. And, and so he gets up slowly. The, the, the man helps him. And he says, Daniel, you're greatly loved. You're highly esteemed. You're treasured. You're, you're precious. So he said, stand up. And so when he said that, Daniel said he stood up, and, but he was trembling. You know, it's like, well, I'm standing. Everything's okay, but I'm still trembling. You know, I'm not quite sure what this is all about. And then he said, Daniel, fear not. On the first day you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before the Lord, your words were heard, and I have come. It's, it's like chapter 9, verse 20, uh, while Daniel was praying, the angel Gabriel came to him. And so here, here again we see God heard his prayers as soon as he uttered them. Verse 13, the ESV just says, the prince, uh, NIV and others say, but, and, and I think that's a, you know, that's an important word. I was going to say that's a big but, but it's, it's but, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. 
When he had spoken to me according to this word, these words, I turned my face to the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, and I said to him who stood before me, My Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? And now no strength remains in me, and no breath is, is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me and said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, Behold, the prince of Greece will come, but I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. And as for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. Daniel had gone to the, the banks of the river and during his, his mourning and, and semi-fasting and, and, and praying and, and, and God sent a man, God sent someone to, to bring him the message of truth. It's the truth that's inscribed in the book of truth. And when he encountered this being, he, he, he fainted. Then the, 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 that being raised him up and began to tell him why it had taken so long. Two years before, in chapter 9, while Daniel was praying, God sent, Ab not Abraham, Gabriel, to, to give him uh, a, a vision, to tell him that what was going on. Now Daniel's been praying for three weeks, and he, and he hasn't gotten an answer. But now he's about to find out why he, he hasn't gotten an answer. The, the, this is an angel, okay? Now, there are two possibilities, at least. Some say this is the pre-incarnate Christ. J. Vernon McGee says, well, it's more like an appearance of the post-resurrection Christ in his glory. But then he says, then you get to verse 13, and this prince of Persia uh, delays him, and it's like, well, how could that happen to God? And so they say, well, a different person starts talking in verse 10. I, just, I think it's easier to say, this is an angel that God sends. And he looks like this. Why? He has come from the presence of, of, of God. You can read similar uh, descriptions of, of, of cherubim, of angels in uh, Ezra, the first chapter, starting around verse 6. Now, those angels, they had four heads, and one was an ox, one was a lion, one was a bear maybe, and one was a man. But it, but it, it sounds like the, the barrel and all those. So it's an angel that appears to him. And he says, God sent me on the first day, but what? The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. Who is the prince of the kingdom of Persia? I don't need to know his name, but, but what, what are we to make of that? 
Well, God kicked him out of heaven, right? Yeah. Um, but, but. Who, who was it that, uh, oh, had a fight with him or something? Was that Michael? I, probably, but I'm, I'm. You know, it was Daniel <clears throat> that talked to Mary and told her, you know, she'll give birth to Jesus. That was Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't it Michael that uh, Jesus walked in with? It says the king of Persia was like a spiritual being. A spiritual being. A demon. What? Think about this. There are many supernatural beings. You know, can divide them into two categories. The, the good guys and the bad guys, the, the fallen angels and the unfallen angels. Now, what are some of the words that are used to describe angels? Because they're not always called angels. Seraphim, cherubim. There's archangels. We even... Um, well, here it's prince, but it's an, an archangel is more of a, a Greek term. But anyhow, it's, it's, you know, you've got archangels, Gabriel, uh, Michael. Remember earlier, was it Nebuchadnezzar in the tree? You had these watchers, some kind of spiritual beings that are, that are watching. But you have, I've already said that, angels, princes, that word is, is used to describe angels, stars, mighty ones, even sometimes men. That here he's called, there was a man standing there. The host of heaven, living creatures. On occasion, even the word Elohim is used to describe angels. Elohim, literally, Hebrew word means El is God. And so, so it, means, it means God. But it can be capital G, meaning the one true God, or it could be false gods with a, with a lowercase lower G. And so there's, there's many words that, names that can be used to describe that, that the writers uh, of, the, of the Old Testament and the New Testament use to describe angels or fallen angels. What are some of the words that Paul uses to describe angels? I don't know that, but I, I have a question. Okay. Text 817. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone's got to know the number. <laughs> Until you said that about fallen angels, uh -huh. I guess I always just thought of the one angel that Uh-huh. In the good old days. He went down, I'll never forget this. He went down to the third grade, I think it was, and he told them <laughs> remember, <laughs> to, told those kids to draw a picture 
of Satan. And they did. And then he brought to our Sunday school class. Those kids all drew the devil. I mean, with the red and, you know, the, the tail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the pitchfork and the whole thing. Never thinking of an, an angel that we think of as angels. I have never forgotten it. Thank you, Bob. You weren't in the third grade when he did that, though. It was, you were in Bob's class. I was in Bob's Okay, okay. And he, sorry. Satan is called what? Go ahead. An angel of light that he that that Peter describes him that is it Peter? Okay. He was the most beautiful creature that God angel that God created. Do you think when he fell he remained beautiful? I think so. I mean, I don't I don't know, but it it seems he's called an angel of light, you know. Now, Peter does call him a roaring lion, so he changes his appearance, you know. And, and, and we probably have, as people do, one extreme or the other. You know, we see him as a roaring lion, and there's a demon behind every bush, or it's a, he's an angel of light, and everything is beautiful, and, oh, the devil's not really, that's just, that's old stuff. And we, you know, tend to ignore it. We're not even going to get close to exhausting. I want to redo, not redo, but continue this. You know, what are these, um, who is this prince? That, that he is one of Satan's minions, one of the fallen angels, this prince of Persia. And he is battling this other angel that has been sent to, uh, to, to uh, bring Daniel the message of truth. And he battled him for three weeks until the, the angel, the archangel Gabriel, Michael, came and, and, and helped fight him off. But what it, th and just so for um, homework. Text number something. Text number. <laughs> what are some of the other New Testament words that, that names, nouns, that are used to describe spiritual beings, angels, fallen angels. Paul, in in you know well-known passage, Ephesians chapter six, 
Finally, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his strength and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Rulers, authorities, that, that Paul said, you know, these cosmic powers. So there's, there's other words that, you know, it's not like he's, Paul's not talking about the Caesar or the governor uh, of the day. He's talking about spiritual evil and the spiritual war, warfare that was going on. And, it, and it's still going on today. That There are forces of, of, of darkness, of Satan, that are trying to thwart the plan of, of God. It's too late, you know. It's like you missed it. In fact, God hid the plan in plain sight, and Paul says, says in another place, or else they would not have crucified the Christ. But God had made the plan, put it right there in plain sight, and they, they just walked right into it and, and crucified the one as God intended. So we're going to continue in chapter 10. I'll get used to saying chapter 11 in a couple of weeks. Of, of this, you know, what are these... God, there are many supernatural beings. So just a couple of other, other points, and if you, if you want to look into them, God rules with a, via a divine counsel of his angels that are set up. Go back, and, and I think it's Daniel. Um, oh, my goodness. I don't know if it's seven, where they bring in all of the thrones. The Ancient of Days comes in, and they bring in all these other thrones. That's God's divine counsel and these His angels coming in. God chooses to rule. He is the supreme being. He does not need any help, but He provides these, these angels. And then some obviously rebelled against Him. But also in this we see that, that God has assigned angels to rule over the nations. Okay, so we will look more at, at that. And maybe I'll go see if they have Billy Graham's book on angels in the library and get it and read it and then, you know. Hey, do you? I think I may have it, but it's a matter of finding it. It's like your car keys. Sometimes they're just not where they're supposed to be. Any, any other observations, questions? Other than why in the world are you doing this? It's like, is this can this is sort of like, whoa! And 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 when you do, you know, Sunday school Bible study like we do, just a a, a chapter at a time, a verse at a time, sometimes a half a verse at a time, that you come to something. It's like it's there. What what does this mean? You know, and 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 so we'll we'll spend one more week in who are these princes of Persia. And, and Greece, and all this is prologue for the vision that he's going to get uh, in chapter 11 and 12 of, of what happens. Okay, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll go. Father, we thank you for your word, and God, we know that, that you are the only God
the true God, the sovereign creator and sustainer. But there were angels that rebelled against you that even now have, have impact on nations, on lives. But God, that you're in complete control, that you've already won the victory with Christ's death, death and resurrection. God, just, just give us hearts and minds to, to understand that we're in a spiritual battle, that we need to look to you for victory and not to ourselves. In Christ's name I pray, amen.